0: Hi, I'm Dr. Patty Ferris, and I'm a board-certified dermatologist.
1: Hi, I'm Dr. Ted Lane, and I'm also a board-certified dermatologist. And Dr. Ferris and I are the co-hosts of this podcast, Skin Care Confidential. In addition, we started a skincare-focused educational meeting called the Science of Skincare Summit. It's uh, in its third year now, happening September 22nd and 23rd in Austin, Texas, at the Hotel Van Zant love to see you there you can register and learn more about it at www.scienceofskincaresummit.com well patty this is our first yeah, one. Yeah, here we
0: are. <laughs> we're, super, we're super excited. So Ted and I decided to sort of take our show to, on the road, I guess. And so we'd have a little bit more re- outreach for the Science of Skincare Summit. And what we're really hoping to bring uh, with this podcast is a real insider's view of the skincare industry. So we will be, of course, interviewing dermatologists and people, uh, professionals who are uh, in the know about topical skincare, but we're also going to be talking to industry insiders. So we'll be speaking to CEOs, we'll be speaking to formulators, we'll be speaking to people who really are the trailblazers for what's trending in topical skincare. So we're going to have research scientists, we're going to have marketing people. Uh, we're we're super lucky to be very well connected in the skincare industry after all of our years uh, of interest in this area. So I think this is going to be a very unique opportunity opportunity. opportunity for healthcare professionals, for anyone who's a skincare junkie, or just people who are interested in what's trending and what's happening in topical skincare.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think the name says it all, right? We're trying to give people an insider's look at the skincare industry. I mean- you know, $2 billion worth of skincare were sold just in the United States last year. And we expect growth this year, even despite some economic headwinds. And so Patty, I really think that this is going to be just an incredible opportunity for people inside and outside the industry to really understand the nitty gritty, how it all works, who the decision makers are, how ingredients are found, how formulations are conceived and then how they find themselves onto the shelves.
0: Onto a shelf. Yeah. You know, one of the things I always say is that dermatology is one of the specialties where medicine meets mass market. Mm -hmm. You know, we are very uniquely positioned as dermatologists to be interfacing with major consumer companies. And you and I have done it for a very long time. And it, it really is very exciting because we'll get into a room as consultants and start brainstorming about an idea and then a year later, two years later, there's a product on the shelf Mm -hmm. that came from the very ideas that the dermatologists in the room put forward. And so it's been, for me, one of the most rewarding parts of my medical career is just being able to be that impactful, especially in the consumer market.
1: You know, I remember when I was interviewing for a medical school. I, I first I interviewed for an MD PhD program, and I was interviewing for the PhD part of it. And a PhD scientist said to me, "You know, why would you not want to do a PhD? If you develop something, you can help the entire globe, for example," which was totally overwhelming for a, for a, a young guy. But the idea is with with this now, just like you said, we're able to really affect and and help so many people just by bringing innovative products that will that will help and that are needed uh, for dermatologic care. But I'm also thinking about the the recent Neutrogena launch, right, Patty, that, that yeah. you and I both kind of worked with them on. Talk to us about that
0: one. It's so exciting. And so, the thing that I find about the cosmetic industry is they're so nimble Uh and they're so quick and they're so good at responding to consumer demands. And, you know, as a dermatologist, we get asked all the time about supplements. I mean, it's a very big part of health and wellness for most patients. And they want to know is there something I should be taking? I mean, collagen right now is all the rage. And so, to see a major consumer company like Neutrogena come out with a line of, individualized nutraceuticals that can help you with the appearance of your skin is just in my opinion it's cutting edge and cool and and again very very forward thinking of them um i love the company i've always loved that company they've always done great things
1: Mm -hmm. well listen i think we should take a step back and maybe introduce ourselves because this is our first one (laughs) maybe we should tell everybody who we are and and why we are doing what we're doing why don't you go first
0: Uh, this is who we are right here. (laughs) We get together and it's like, it's like uh, gasoline in a match. (laughs) Um, You know, I have 35 years of clinical experience, as you know, I'm, I'm your Ted senior. And I became interested in topical skincare very early in my career. And there were several things that happened that really changed the entire trajectory of my medical career. Number one was I was walking through the exhibit hall at the American Academy of Dermatology, and I saw these Pictures on a booth that the patient's skin looked, you know, as sun damaged as it could have possibly been. And then there was a one year follow up that was like so dramatic. I was like, I stopped at the booth and I said, What did that? Mm -hmm. And it was Sheldon Pinnell. Mm. It was his booth when he was just launching his line of, of new cosmeceuticals. And he looked at me and he said, Topical vitamin C. And I said, Really? how? And then he just kind of looked at me and he just schooled me right up. He told me what vitamin C did. He told me about antioxidants. I felt like the stupidest person on the exhibit hall floor. Okay. But what did I know? I was super young and I was just like, wow. And that just blew my mind to be totally honest with you. Because before that, we had to do chemical peels. We had to do major laser resurfacing. We we didn't have that much. We had dermabrasion. Okay. I'm talking about like the dark ages of dermatology, yeah. but that's how we did it. We didn't even have retinoids at that point. And then retinoids came in. And I remember as clearly as day, somebody asking me to give my very first talk at the AAD was on this title was retinol. Does it work? And so then I had to go figure that out because I wasn't sure if retinol worked at that time. Mm-hmm. So I had to go and I reached out to Johnson & Johnson because they were, they had Retin-A and they were also in the retinol business. And I just became friends with some of the researchers there and they were like, oh yeah, we've got this study and we've got that study. And I was, so that was my very first time on the podium at the AAD was talking about retinols. And like most people didn't believe what I said because they only thought the prescription Retinoic acid or tretinoin worked. They didn't believe retinol worked. Right. But there was plenty of data back then. Mm-hmm. So those two events alone changed the trajectory. I all of a sudden realized if people can make products that you can buy over the counter that can do this kind of stuff, like it's game on, okay. Mm-hmm. It is a everything changed for me mm-hmm. right there. Wow, and here we are.
1: You know, I just read that tretinoin um, celebrated its 50 year anniversary as an RX product, right?
0: Unbelievable. And
1: just think about dermatology before tretinoin. I was I was just pondering this last night. Like, gosh, you know how much it has changed our specialty. And how we can treat patients in so many different conditions. I, you know, as you mentioned, tretinoin certainly has the aesthetic benefits of in, increasing collagen production, in, increasing glycosaminoglycan production as well. But we also have the anti-cancer benefits, the the minimizing pore size, the reduction in hyperpigmentation. It just really runs the gamut of skin quality improvement. It's an unbel- It's like an aspirin for general medicine. Tretinoin yeah. is our aspirin. Right. Yeah,
0: Yeah. A hundred percent. And, yeah. and antioxidants as well with yeah. many of the same benefits. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, you're a hundred percent right. Um, before Tretinoin, I, I don't, you, well, you know, Tretinoin came out, I am not it's 50 years ago. Yeah, I mean, and then, I mean, we've had so many reiterations of it too. And so many new products coming into the marketplace, there was Tazeratine and it just went 100. on and went on. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, sort of going back to topical skincare, I think one of the things that we're seeing as a sort of trend is dermatologists, more of them embracing topical skin care. Mm-hmm. I think more people are interested consumers, and and that means our patients coming in looking for solutions that they can easily access. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's wonderful to be able to give someone a prescription, but you've got to get that prescription approved. You know, tretinoin so hard to get approved. So are all of our topicals, many of our acne meds, we can't get approved. So I think what we're seeing is that there is becoming this niche for topical products that are highly efficacious and can really be used to treat various dermatologic problems. Mm -hmm. And even our inflammatory skin disorders, like our psoriasis patients, our eczema patients, they're looking for OTC solutions as well. And, you know, we know know prescriptions are required for those that have more severe cases. So that goes without saying, but there's plenty of really interesting and innovative things in the marketplace now. I mean, let's talk about topical probiotics. Mm And uh, let's talk about balneotherapy and the things that we learned, both of us, mm-hmm. going to La Roche-Posay mm-hmm. and just what water that can affect your microbiome can do for a patient with eczema or psoriasis. Mm-hmm. It, it, that's unbelievable to me.
1: Yeah, really harnessing the body's ability to heal itself. Right, just by using products that are are biologic. I I think of tretinoin as a biologic product. There are retinoic acid receptors in the keratinocytes ready to transcribe DNA and affect change. And just, yeah. And, you know, there's new uh, biologic products that are, excuse me, prescription products that are like that. I'm thinking about Vitama, which is uh, an agonist, right? It's an aryl hydrocarbon receptor agonist. And rarely do we ever really harness something for good in the body, everything else is antagonizing, right? you know, right. antibodies or receptor blockers. But here we have right. an agonist. Um, and so so it's really interesting where we're going now, both with the prescription process uh, Prescriptions that we we can use topically for these inflammatory skin diseases, as well as what we're doing on the OTC space, and that's really where my interest lies, honestly, and how I got into it is that intersection with RX and OTC. I was I've been really interested in how we can use OTC to complement as a adjunct, as adjunctive therapy um, RX, right? And and as I've done I, I do a lot of clinical trials, and as I've done the clinical trials, I've realized, you know, we can get these medicines approved, but the payers, it's really difficult to get payers to cover them. And so yeah. there's just more it's very and more, frustrating. it's so frustrating. And it's tens yeah. of millions of dollars to get these things approved. And yet if they're not covered by the payers, they are, they sit in a no man's land. And so it's even more important, as you said, for us to use and help these companies produce these OTC products that are highly efficacious for inflammatory skin diseases, in addition to the aesthetic space. And maybe they do both. Like retinol, maybe it does both, but that's really how I got into uh, into the skincare. Just just that intersection just pulled me in, and and now I just love it. And that's how I started thinking. <laughs> that's how I started thinking about you know we we started talking about the idea for the summit as well, right? I know,
0: yeah, absolutely. Um, one of the things that I love about the summit is. We're not just uh, educating physicians. We're educating a lot of physicians there, but we're also educating people in their offices. We're educating estheticians. We're educating nurse practitioners. Anybody who's interested in topical skincare benefits from the content that I think we have. One of the things that I think is cool about the meeting is that we also have on the podium many of the same people that we're going to interview here on Skincare Confidential. Right. You know, our friends who are scientists, people who test products, people who formulate products. I mean, don't you feel sometimes when you're sitting in a room with a formulator like they are so smart? Oh, absolutely. You know, they're they're like so... And, and the scientists as, as well. You know, we come up with sometimes some harebrained ideas, like, why don't we put this up with this? And they look at us like, you can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> like, darn, it sounded good. It sounded like a great combo. Yeah. But, you know, just understanding the chemistry, yeah. which is something that we don't know as much about. Um, but just it, it, having those people at our summit and having so many people be able to interact with you know, just people that you normally wouldn't have a touch point with, you know, unless you're a consultant, which we both are. But if you don't have that touch point, it's really, I think, a a great way to expose a lot of people. So we had some cool panels this year where we had people talking about, you know, how they formulate products and what's the newest, most exciting things. We had a whole lot of discussions about things like exosomes and Mm -hmm. things that are really trending in topical skincare right now. And it's just great to get an insiders view and and that's really what we hope to do on skin care confidential
1: absolutely that that interaction between industry and the dermatologist or and or the esthetician or the pa any any hcp that's really involved in topical skin care the interaction that you have with the formulators and the people in the labs trying to put these ingredients and find these new ingredients is really important because they they have their silo, right? Where they're they're putting things together. They understand Absolutely. the chemistry. We understand what's going on at the bedside, right? What what our patients really want, what what society yeah. is looking for, what the trends are perhaps. And by coming together, such as uh, you know in venues like the Summit, we can really push forward kind of product development, we can push forward ideas, novel ideas. And I'm sure, I'm absolutely sure that, and we'll we'll interview some formulators that were at the summit, that they came back from that with some ideas and uh, about w- where we should go next. Uh, you know how to put novel ingredients together that we really need, yeah. both for aesthetic purposes and for Rx purposes or OTC uh, purposes. So I'm excited to see how how the summit helps propel the the industry forward and, and plays an integral role. That that to me would be such a great success for for the summit.
0: I couldn't agree more. You know, one of the questions they always ask us is, "What are the unmet needs?" Mm-hmm. You know, they want to know what we need to make patients better. And, Mm -hmm. and I, you know, when they ask that, I, I just always think it's a very, it's a phenomenal thing that again, physicians can meet with people who are, you know, meeting consumer needs right there on the shelf, you know, Mm -hmm. from the bench top to the shelf. And we, we're going to be really, have a really great interview with one of our friends that we're, you know, hopefully you'll be able to interview her next week. Who's uh been in the trenches in cosmetics for many, many years, who developed a novel molecule mm-hmm. who is, you know, like just a complete rock star. And it's going to be super exciting to have her on and listen to like, how does that happen? How right. do you develop something that novel, you know, as everybody out there knows, there's a lot of me too products in the marketplace. Somebody does something really good and then everybody else knocks it off because why yeah. wouldn't they? It's great. And people are selling a lot of it, but to have somebody who really develop something novel, um, I think it's just super exciting. Yeah, really, really
1: exciting. <laughs> we're we're kind of skincare nerds, aren't aren't we? I mean, we're so excited about these people that produce these novel molecules that are changing people's lives. I mean, those are like our rock stars, right? Yeah, Whereas absolutely. other people look at these Instagram and beauty influencers, and that's their rock <laughs> stars. So you know, guess, everybody's got their right. own thing. <laughs>
0: I guess you're right. Everybody's got their own rock star. <laughs> but you know, I don't know. I think we ended up it, somehow. You and I ended up in in sync with yeah. it, with our, I guess, passion is the yeah. word I'm looking for, for topical skincare. And I'm super excited as we roll out Skincare Confidential. And like I said, we've got a list of maybe 15 to 20 people that, and we just stopped counting after that, but we've got a list of people that it's, it's going to be great. One of the other things that I think is really interesting is how we're now seeing so many more of the cosmetic companies looking at patients with melanin-rich skin or skin of color and trying to address the needs of those patients. And that's a whole nother uh, segment of the skincare market that's exploding right now. Absolutely, absolutely. exploding
1: and as well it should. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When we think about you know i think we, we can even jump into the skincare trends or trends in the skincare in- industry that we're yeah. seeing right now thank goodness thank goodness attention is finally being paid much too late i might add for pigment rich pigment rich skin because right. you know historically products have only been formulated for the Caucasians for yeah. people with Fitzpatrick and tested skin types 1, primarily 3, 4. on Caucasians. And absolutely. And so finally we're having some, some attention paid to skin that is, you know, pigment rich skin is physiologically a little bit different. There, there are ingredient changes that need to be made, formula changes that need to be made. Um, it, and it's, but
0: you and I know it's, it's a, a whole different thing when you're it's treating a, patients with dark skin. It, it, it's absolutely. a whole different thing, and we're going to have some people coming on who are experts in skin of color, mm-hmm. choosing cosmetics and choosing cosmeceuticals for patients with skin of color. Mm-hmm. And we we're, we're gonna we're gonna knock that one out of the park because it's a very important subject. I mean, absolutely. most dermatologists, depending on where they train, may not even know skin of color. Mm-hmm. Um, I was fortunate to live in a city that's very ethnically mixed. And so we saw a lot of darker skin patients, but a lot of places in the country, you know, we're having to teach dermatologists what different skin conditions and diseases look like in darker skin types.
1: You know, and I don't know how much attention is being paid in esthetician school, for example, or yeah. cosmetology school on this, but I'm hoping that we get a wide audience of, es- of estheticians as well because that education needs to get to them yeah. uh, because, you know, they treat all skin types and Absolutely. You know, they have to understand there's a difference and you oh. have to be careful. And, and different, you know, like we know now different disease, inflammatory diseases present differently in darker skin. And you have Absolutely. to understand that also.
0: Absolutely.
1: So, um, Conditions exactly like rosacea,
0: right. some of the things oh. that we don't recognize, we, you know, you don't even think about it. It's totally yeah. underdiagnosed in the melanin-rich population.
1: Seborrhea also, Seborrhea. when we think about that, it's just a totally different presentation. So yeah. I, think, I think that is one huge skincare trend. Uh, you know, I think we touched on another one, which is the addition of nutraceuticals to really augment what we're trying to do topically. Yeah. So um, exciting NSU. for me
0: because I love nutraceuticals as much as I love cosmeceuticals.
1: I mean, you you have been one uh, of the, the first really to start talking about nutraceuticals and the benefits of nutraceuticals. I mean, most recently you were quoted in a Wall Street Journal article, yeah, right?
0: Yeah, co- on collagen. And then there wasn't a lot of other people in that article saying much good, but right. I think collagen uh, hydrolysates have got a lot of legs in dermatology. I really do. There's some very good data behind them. I mean, do we wish we had more studies? Of course. The other Mm -hmm. thing people need to understand is these are cosmetics. Nutraceuticals Mm -hmm. and cosmeceuticals are not under the purview of the Food and Drug Administration in terms of the degree of scientific rigor. So we don't have to do these super complicated studies. And when companies don't have to do them, they're probably not going to do them. But I will say when it comes to collagen hydrolysates, we've got tons of data. And when it comes to lots of our topical skincare products, I mean, I love the companies that go out and do a double-blind vehicle-controlled study. Like, Mm -hmm. that's cool. That really is proof of – I mean, proof in the pudding, as I say. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, sometimes you don't find that. And so – People have to understand that there's a different bar that's set in the cosmetic industry and in the nutraceutical industry than there is in the pharmaceutical and the prescription topical. Um, yeah. market.
1: hundred percent. I mean, look, the, the bar is, is lower just because it has to be, there just aren't the dollars there to, no. to, to fund these huge trials. But right. the fact that there is even a bar is as a huge uh, phenomenon now in, in skincare, right before skincare. And still to this day, tons of small companies push out products with reformulation of ingredients that have been out for a long time. Yeah. And there is, there is no data to support them. Right. And, and that's just the skincare industry, but if you if you really want to look for something that works you have to look for the data behind it and and thankfully we have small and large companies quite frankly that are pushing out data that are vehicle controlled like you mentioned and so yeah. that's that is a development in skincare that i applaud i think all the dermatologists do like you said and and we hope it continues because it's only good for patients and for the industry to be taken more seriously if we get more and more data to support the use of the products
0: so when when patients come in and say you know they found some indie brand or some internet brand. I always say, you know, if you want products with studies behind them, major consumer companies are generally the ones that are doing yeah. that kind of work. I mean, they have more money, they have mm-hmm. more resources, they usually have. I mean, it's always amazes me when you go in a cosmetic company how many square feet are dedicated to research and development mm-hmm. of products. And, you know, you and I've been on mm-hmm. all those, to all those different places around mm-hmm. the world and, and, in- watch this, the incredible machines that these Mm -hmm. companies are. And we're going to be bringing that right here to Skincare Confidential. That's the kind of insider's view that we're hoping we'll be able to bring to this podcast.
1: Yeah. I I think we'd be remiss if we didn't include some of the smaller brands started by a single esthetician, for example, that have been very successful because such a huge part of the industry. And while there may not be lots of data to support it, they definitely use the the time tested ingredients. Uh, And, you know, of course, some of it is marketing, some of it is formulation, and and some of it is just uh, use case by, you know, people recommending to their friends. So um, we'll include include that absolutely as well. We will be interviewing entrepreneurs and disruptors and from small and large companies because the skincare industry includes both large and and very small companies. And and we need to include all of that in our podcast as
0: well. And we 100% will
1: yeah. You know, when I think back again, just looking at skincare trends, one of the things that's been really interesting and, and again I applaud is the fact that we're we're finally starting to get away from hydroquinone, right, Patty? Because yeah. oh yeah. Uh, hydroquinone, look, there was a recent study to show that hydroquinone absolutely increases a risk of skin cancer, skin both cancer. melanoma and non-melanoma. Yeah, that.
0: That's frightening.
1: And so we we have to, as a specialty, move away from hydroquinone. It's just not the right thing for our patients. And in my view, I think you agree. And you know, luckily, gosh, we've seen some really interesting developments recently, right?
0: Yeah, well, let's talk about topical antibiotics. Another thing that's probably not the best idea if you use them too long, you develop antibiotic resistance. Look at this cool endolysin technology, which I don't want to steal anyone's thunder. We're going to talk about it another time, but there are actually over-the-counter things that can stop us from using topical antibiotics i mean this Uh-oh. is incredible in my I opinion oh uh, it's it's a
1: perfect <laughs> it's, it's perfect right because we talk about trying to restore the microbiome and, right. and you know prevent dysbiosis or the tilt of the microbiome into a more staph aureus dominated environment and now we have this little sniper rifle just for staph aureus i know and it's, it's unbelievable just, it's um you know before we think about this thermal spring water or these these probio postbiotics for example that 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 help, you know, to, to increase a certain bacteria that, that we know is is off, often found in the healthy microbiome, but we've never really talked about, you know, using ingredients to, to actually Change the microbiome by affecting the the pathogenic bacteria. Yeah, that's just mind boggling to me.
0: I know. And again, in in a cosmetic product.
1: In a cosmetic product meant for atopic dermatitis, right? And and so that, and with some studies behind it, I think the sky's the limit for that product. And I'm excited to talk about that on the podcast. Yeah, yeah. You know, otherwise, what do we think? I think there's some really interesting peptide technology coming down the pipe. You know, yeah. You know groupings of peptides that before either haven't been found or haven't been, been uh, formulated together to uh, affect change in in the dermal matrix. Um,
0: uh, absolutely, I think uh, the other thing I think is interesting, and I think people listening would like to know a great deal of what we know about how the skin ages comes from research done basic science Mm -hmm. research done by the cosmetic companies and i know you were super excited coming back from that talk Mm -hmm. in mexico i believe you were Mm -hmm. in and about senescence and the role of senescence in aging oh gosh i know i am just you were so jazzed i know how that (laughs) is i know how that is because you know and again this is research that's coming out of a major cosmetic company and that's another topic that we're going to have to hit on the Skincare Confidential podcast. We should probably wrap up because we could sit here and talk all day, but we need to get moving, get recording, and get some of these exciting topics out to our listeners. And we're so grateful for uh, our audience, for people who joined us at the Science of Skincare Summit, for all the researchers who joined us, all the industry people who support us. We are are so blessed to have all these... uh, People with a common goal, which is to create great skincare products for treating our patients.
1: Absolutely. Okay. Well, stay tuned to Skincare Confidential. We're going to get some great content. And thank you so much for listening.